The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Everybody. Welcome to Podcast Beyond. Uh, I didn't even look at what episode this is because that's just how we're starting this show. Uh, I'm the host today. Uh, my name is Mark Medina. As you can see, I'm wearing a tie because I'm the I'm the host, and and the host always wears a tie. Dornbush always is wearing a tie in the episodes, and so I, I figured I'd get all like uh, dressed up and snazzy. This, J- Jada, what's wrong? This 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 chaos. I I just cannot take it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to take over. I'm going to be hosting. This is podcast episode 760. Don't put that tie. <laughs> yeah, you, you know what, Red? Lose the tie. Lose, Lose the, the tie. tie. That's it's it. Just, this it's just, it's too formal. It's too Come much. on. Our people don't want it. They, like, that's not what they want to <laughs> see. They don't want, I don't care about the tie. Uh, but Mark, go ahead and tell us how we're getting started. What do we, what, what, what yeah. we got on doc today? Um, I guess we should introduce our third Let's... new chair for the day. Yeah, so we have Tyler Robinson here, someone I've never talked to in my life, but uh, he's here on the podcast with us because uh, you know, if you're if you're looking at podcasts beyond like ten years ago, and then you're looking at it now, and you're like, what happened to this podcast, bro? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how we ended up here, but we're here, and we're gonna make the best of it. Uh, Tyler, uh, so for the people that don't know who you are, uh, myself included, what do you do here at IGN? <laughs> Hi, yeah. Uh, my name is Tyler Robertson. I am a social media coordinator slash producer. Uh, I was invited by Jada, who I talk to pretty often. So that's kind of how I how I got on. Almost, uh, almost daily. J- Jada's vouching yeah. for you. I am. Yeah. I am. So uh, if there's any anger in the comment sections, yeah. Yeah. just you know, um, send me a happy face. I don't know. Uh, that's how we handle angry comments. Just send a happy face because then I'll know you're actually upset. Um, but it won't mess if, with me. So if, if Tyler <laughs> if Tyler steps out of line, we're coming for Jada. <laughs> uh, and then obviously, yeah, Jada Griffin's here, uh, my co-host, the only person uh, that I recognize today. So that's good. We're, we're... Mark doesn't recognize anybody else today, even his I don't, wife. I don't like, know anybody. Just, he is face blind today, so it's yeah. totally fine. This this is nothing bad against Tyler. Tyler, you're awesome. <laughs> yes, I- from what I know about you, which is uh, your Twitter Twitter handle, which is Tyler's new groove, um, it's great first impression. But like, so it was supposed to be Matt Kim, and uh, he had to drop out this morning. He's jet lagged. He only slept for an hour. So I was like, you know what, dude, don't worry about it. I don't need you falling asleep on the podcast, man. And then and then you find out that like the, everyone's busy. Every I don't know what they're all doing, but everyone's very busy. Uh, and we didn't even mention that Dornbush isn't here because he's at the vet. Uh, he doesn't mm. 
have an animal as far as I know of. It's just San Francisco Healthcare. Uh, that's where he was able to get an appointment. So he's, you know, <laughs> he's at the vet. I today. mean, I've got my appointment after the show. So like, oh good, I'm trying to find the you, camera. You there and, we go. You, you and uh, Dornbush will high five. Yes, yeah, yeah, we'll high five at the vet today. That's you know, that's the plan. So no, yeah. definitely going to be oh, exactly. Right Dornbush is going to re-break your hand. <laughs> um what's funny about this episode is you would think okay you know what let's just do a chaotic fun episode where we just talk about whatever there's actually a ton of news dornbush mm. is cursed every me every tuesday me jada and dornbush have a meeting where we talk about how there's no news to talk about on the podcast uh that is not the case today there's so much stuff we had a lot yesterday and then even more dropped today so we're gonna start with that which is the fact that we got a little bit of uh grand theft auto six I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say leaks, I guess, I guess Rockstar would probably, yeah, Rockstar would probably consider them leaks, but for the most part, they're just like, they're from Bloomberg. Um, Basically, the big news is that there's going to be, from what we could tell, two protagonists, and it's going to be kind of a Bonnie and Clyde thing, and one of them is a Latina female, so that'll be your first female playable character in Grand Theft Auto, unless you played as a female in GTA Online, like I do. Um, but yeah, I this is kind of something that's kind of been rumored for a long time. I don't know if it was just wishful thinking or if it's something that people have like really, really like thought was going to happen, but I, it sounds like we got kind of confirmation today that that's actually going to be a thing. Um, so Jada, let's start with you. How much of a Grand Theft Auto fan are you? Ooh, um, I was a big Grand Theft Auto fan until Grand Theft Auto 3 when I had 98, 99% completion and my memory card uh, got corrupted. So not as much afterwards. You, you swore <laughs> I, off the series. I after swore that. off the series. I was like, never again will I find a hidden package. Never again will I do a, fire tr- a firefighter mission. Never again. Um, oh. But I've played four. I've played five. Um, I've played mm. a little bit of the online. Uh, but it hasn't hooked to me as much as the older ones used to, um, probably because I was young and cheat codes were all the rage back in three and all those days. And you could just spawn tanks and blow everything mm-hmm. up. Um, but I'm I'm looking forward to six. I'm definitely going to give it the old college try um, like like I do with all of them. Hopefully this one will stick with me further. I think I made it like, I don't know, two thirds through the campaign of five and then something new and shiny came out and I was like, I'd rather play that and then Jan- Grand Theft Auto. So I, I dropped from it, um, but it's a good series I mean, it's a, and it's got it's a long it's game. Got, it's a very long game and it's got there, you know, there's so much to it. And like, I, I totally respect everybody who puts so much time into this, especially with like the, the RP servers and stuff like that. There's mm-hmm. so much to do in this game. And like, I, I'm ready for six. I think that's also part of the thing. It was like, I've just been waiting for six to like come out to like officially kind of get back into it. Like, I feel like it's, almost a fool's errand to try and jump back into five with a fresh file at this point, because I think my old file was on 360 mm-hmm. um, when I played it back in the day. So, well, yeah. it's on PS five now and the PS five yeah. version is fantastic. Uh, Tyler, what about you? Please tell me that you are the world's biggest Grand Theft Auto fan. <laughs> well, uh, I'm actually a bit of the opposite of Jada. I only got started in GTA uh, with five. Um, I just wasn't allowed to play it as a kid. Uh, and by the time I was like allowed to play GTA, I just wasn't that interested. But then GTA 5, when it came out, that was like, it was a big thing with friends. 
you know, playing online and stuff. So um, it's kind of my first foray into the GTA world. Um, and I've had a lot of fun with it, like, over the years. Because, mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, um, with all the updates that they've they've had for uh, the online and everything, um, they're really good at keeping these games updated, at least on the online side. I know there was supposed to be mm -hmm. DLC, single-player DLC at one point that just hasn't happened. But, um, yeah, I'm yeah, excited for Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they've given up. Um, yep. Which is fair. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited a bonus for with six. Grand Theft Auto 6, guys. Like, buy Grand Theft yeah. Auto 6, and you get the DLC for 5, included, free of charge. <laughs> well, speaking of... DLC. There's something else that came from this leak or whatever you want to call it that actually has old Mark Medina a little worried. But uh you know, we'll get your guys' opinions on it. Um it's so basically the game is going to launch, this is reportedly going to launch with a single city but add more locations over time as the game updates, right? That Sounds a little worrisome to me, only because it's like, it's never a good, it, it's never a good feeling I get personally to be told that you're, you're getting a game that like, they, they already have so many plans to update. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to say that like single player DLC is bad, right? But you also could construe it as like, they're releasing a game that's not like completely finished that they have grand plans and that they're releasing i guess the first city is going to be miami so we're going to get like vice city vibes there um but the fact that they are already planning on updating it beyond that you're kind of like okay well how how much are, are we getting the complete game when the game does launch you have to assume that you're getting a fairly complete game right rockstar has an an incredible pedigree for releasing their games they're they're full of life they're huge they're super long um but it's kind of a weird it's something they haven't done before is is rockstar as basically being like we're going to ship this full game but then we're going to keep adding like cities that's a little the way it's worded is a little strange but also again it's reportedly it's not something that they've announced so i'm hoping once they announce that maybe it'll make a little bit more sense. Um, Jada, how do you feel about something like that? Um, I think, it, you know, honestly, with how much legs, how many, how how much they have, sorry, how much legs Grand Theft Auto V had after launch with just, like, not adding big content like that, I think it's a safe thing when it comes to Rockstar. I'd be a little mm -hmm. bit more um cautious if it was, like, another company doing it that does open-world games that don't generally have the most entertaining stuff to keep you really like wanting to play regularly. Um, I think if they're doing it something as like maybe they're adding a city every year and it's like a year one update, we're getting, you know, San Andreas. Year two, we're getting a, a New York, whatever the New York city is. Um, I forget what they call it in Grand Theft, but um Lib liberty. liberty liberty city there you city. go thank you <laughs> yeah. um so maybe if they're if they're going that route and it's like every year they're adding like a huge city and a huge amount of content that like rivals the initial launch i think it's fine um but i'm also not the the target audience for mm -hmm. grand theft auto so like i could be it could sound fine to me because i'm a casual grand theft auto player um 
but yeah, I would definitely be more interested to know like what everybody in the comment section feels about this. So like, I think this is a good point to kind of put our community question. Like, how do you guys in the audience know, feel about this like potential of getting new cities and stuff? Let us know in the comments afterwards. Yeah, it's it's just a little it's a little strange, right? Because it's something you would expect with Grand Theft Auto Online, and you have to assume that Grand Theft Auto Six is going to have a new updated version of Grand Theft Auto Online. So it's just a little strange to have it seemingly be part of the single player. Again, content is never like I I don't think that's there's a way to construe that to make it where it's like a bad thing unless you're paying like. Are they going to make a new city and it's like there's not like a ton of content, but then they're charging premium prices for it? That's something that they've kind of gotten away with in Grand Theft Auto Online, right? Microtransactions mm -hmm. and whatnot. But the single player seems a little strange. I don't know. Tyler, what do you think? Yeah, well, I mean, we're seeing the trend of like every game is trying to lean into the like live service kind of mm -hmm. area more and more. Um, and, and this feels kind of like they're doing that. Um, I think Rockstar though, they're pretty good about like day one you release and it feels like a, a big game. Like I know mm -hmm. people get worried about like, I'm spending $60 on this game is, is the amount of content in this game worth $60? And I think with Rockstar, you're usually pretty you feel pretty good about your $60 going, you know, um, and, and I would think, and I would hope that if they're trying to one up themselves from GTA five, um, this is how they're doing that. They're, they're going to have a full game for you when it releases and then expand upon that even more kind of like, uh, what we saw with the Witcher three, where those DLCs were like games on their own. That's what I'm, Yep. hoping that's like what the the positive outcome of this would be like you know in a in a perfect world um mm. and i'm sure that's what they're hoping for too um <laughs> but we'll have to see if if it pans out it doesn't it i think one of the reasons people get nervous about this is that a lot of the times it doesn't and it does feel like you're kind of getting uh rung <laughs> for your sure. money uh a little yeah. bit so yeah, that makes sense. It's it's definitely concerning, but uh, I think Rockstar, I I feel like we can trust a little bit. <laughs> well, I hate to tell you this, young Tyler, but I'm pretty sure the game's gonna be seventy dollars. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sure. La lastly, to cap off the Grand Theft Auto conversation, is it also came out with this Bloomberg article uh, that there have been predictions for launch that the game could come out around April 2023. Or between April 2023 and March 2024, which would put the game out, let's let's say, fall next year, right? Um, I don't think it's completely out of... Uh, I, if you were to ask me, does that seem feasible? I would say, yeah, probably. You know, Grand Theft Auto V came out in 2013. Red Dead 2 came out in 2018. And then that would be another five-year gap for Grand Theft Auto VI. Uh, but apparently some of the developers at Rockstar are skeptical <laughs> about that uh, launch date and that they are, have been bottlenecks in production and that they don't think that that, that that they haven't even really set an internal release date yet. Um, 
Yeah, I I think fall next year is probably a little too ambitious um, if there are production setbacks. And, you know, a lot of people left Rockstar over the years since uh, Red Dead 2. And there's been a lot of talks on changing the culture for, for Rockstar and stuff like that. So I know that there's been a lot of drawbacks, right? Um, and Red Dead 2, you know, the very famous uh, black bars that come in every time there's a cinematic, you know, stuff like that was added incredibly late. Right. Like that was something that like the game was like had a year to go and they're like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if black bars came down like every time there was a cinematic and they're like, hey, do you know how much work that's going to take? And they're like, dude, this episode of Podcast Beyond is brought to you by NordVPN, a great way to protect yourself online while also improving your overall experience while enjoying cyberspace. Are you tired of streaming shows, movies, or sporting events being unavailable in your region due to draconian restrictions that are based on completely arbitrary geographical boundaries in physical meat space? Well, switch your virtual location to a place where that's no longer an issue. The same goes for shopping. You can get the best possible deal on subscriptions, flights, hotels, and other goods and services like that from websites that like to play favorites with certain territories and currencies. Meanwhile, encrypted traffic protects your data from hackers, viruses, malware, phishing sites, and other harmful hitchhikers of the information superhighway. Though really, it's more of an information autobahn because there is no speed limit with NordVPN. It is the fastest VPN in the world, so there won't be any buffering or lagging, and it'll stop your ISP from throttling your bandwidth. Isn't that nice? One NordVPN account can be used across six devices, which is great. My wife has been using our account to watch all sorts of awful British reality TV shows that aren't available here, like Argument Island or Half Naked Idiots Fall in Love, and everyone's favorite, The Worst People Just Got Married, let's hear them talk about it. Shows that are so bad, they're blocked in our part of the world for our own good, but luckily, NordVPN allows her to trick the internet into thinking she's in the UK, so she and her awful friends can shriek and howl and cackle at the TV while I'm trying to relax. I've been using my VPN too. You know what I've been using it for? None of your business. Yep, that's right. And thanks to NordVPN, my data is safely encrypted, all bundled up in a weighted security blanket of incomprehensibly complex math problems and nobody can tell what it's doing under there. Data, you do your thing. I'll leave you alone. One month of NordVPN coverage costs less than a cup of coffee. Coffee can't protect you from cyber criminals unless you throw it at them or pour it on their computers and you'll probably get in trouble for doing that. So get NordVPN instead. To get the best possible discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. That link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, that is nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. And now, back to the show. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Anyways, so who knows what's going to happen with Grand Theft Auto 6, but uh, Jada, let's start with you. I have two questions. One, 
Do you no. think the game comes out next year? Okay. <laughs> Tyler, do you, uh, second, second question. Okay. So let's get, let's get a prediction. You say no next year. Do you think the year after that? I think, I think 2024, I think fall of 2024 is a, a reliable date, especially with this, okay. these rumors of launching just a singular city. I feel like it would have mm -hmm. been further out if they were trying to do multiple cities and they're like, Hey, we've got to get this out because we're tired of everybody commenting where's gta 6 anytime we do any type of announcement <laughs> where whatever um so i think i think 2024 is probably a safe bet uh for it and uh you know that'll definitely be one of those huge launches that year yeah and then the big question and i i, I think i think we have to like know the answer to this but is this a ps5 series x pc exclusive you know what i mean like is is this game coming to ps4 and xbox one or are they going next gen only gosh that's a good i, like, I, I don't, don't know i, I don't, don't know, know the answer to that. <laughs> like i i would i would for everybody who's got next gen consoles i know they are hoping that that's a yes because they yeah. have this feeling of like oh the older systems are holding us back we're not getting the most pristine version of this game um because they have to also cater to the older consoles and we ran mm -hmm. into that issue with Cyberpunk. You know, when Cyberpunk launched, yep. the next-gen consoles, versions A, they didn't even launch with launch. Only version that was playable at launch was PC. The Any of the console versions were just not ready for launch. Right. Um, is the nicest way I can say about that. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I think they go for both because GTA is just such a huge, huge... Mm -hmm title that they want to get as many people in the ecosystem as possible and you know to and now allow as many people to buy more of that shark card cash because that's where they make all their money yeah so. i I'm, I'm gonna say if it were next year they would probably do both they would probably do well well it's a playstation podcast so i'll say ps4 and ps5 if if it's going to be 2024 or later i say they go ps5 only ps5 xbox series x pc like in 2024 like come on the, you, you gotta move on right you have to move on you, and you know rockstar's wanting to make the best game they can make right sure so uh tyler do you do you have any predictions that that are outside of the scope of the ones we just said well i think um i have like a like a kind of in between bet where i think it'll get announced for 2023 and then get delayed into 2024 i i feel like so that's a very safe bet <laughs> I, think they'll try, I think they'll try and go for it in 2023 and then realize that it's not uh it's not going to happen on the the next gen versus previous mm -hmm. gen thing i i i don't know because they released uh gta 5 on both but they were right on the cusp like they were they were right on the PS3 PS4 kind of right in that area just like like Last of Us and games like that. I don't now, think it launched it, on both. It was PS3 and 360 for a good while before it came PS4 and right. Xbox One. I think that's about when right. the PC version came out. I believe probably about a year, be probably about that. 2 okay. years I think. But yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, this, this this time it, we feel so entrenched, or at least I feel so entrenched in the PS5 era now that it feels like it might be it might be time for for games even of this like you know how big this game is going to be commercially. Um, yeah. To finally 
be next gen only or current gen only. I I hope so, but I understand. <laughs> I understand yeah. the like kind of fear that you know people not being able to play this game right like because they don't right. have a next gen console. But like twenty twenty four, I don't know. I we say it every year. By 2024, I have to assume that you will have been able to get your hands on a Series X or a PS5. Like, that is, that is, I know that sounds weird to say because of how much of a shortage there is now, but like, we're talking over two years from now. Let's just say even two years from now. Like, if you are actively not able to get a, a Series X or, or PS5 in the next two years, then there are problems with this generation beyond just like a little bit of shortage. <laughs> like something's going on. That's a good point. Um, and the thing is, is like PS5 are, are incredibly hard to find, but Series X's actually aren't. You yeah. can get one fairly easily now. And Series S's, which obviously the game would run on, those are everywhere. You can walk into Target and those are, there's just stacks of those. I know that because I just saw them. Um, but there was a time where on Amazon you can get a Series X for like a week. It was just there, and you can just buy it regular price. Mm -hmm. uh, the PS5 has been a little bit more elusive, but uh, in two years you have to hope that that's somewhat more solved. But maybe that's just naive, wishful thinking. Let's move on. Let's talk about a game that I've never played, which I'm sure the comments are going to love hearing me say that. Knights of the Old Republic. <laughs> Jada, please tell me you've played this game. Uh, I only have memories of, no, I'm kidding. I've played so much of KOTOR. Uh, my favorite memory is, you know, uh, I always play Sith. I, I'm, I'm an evil person in my games. Sure. I love just being a jerk to people. It's the best thing to do, um, yeah. in my opinion. Um, just, I just remember like, um, holding this dude captive, getting all the information out of my want, I wanted out of him and then forcing him to give me all his credits and then jump in a pit. Um, it's on like one of the earliest planets and it was just like, one of those memories that will always stick with me in KOTOR. Um, but I love KOTOR and I'm, I'm super excited for the remake. And so like this news is, <laughs> well, uh, it's, it's a little, a little, a little hard to hear, but I know, hope, it, I hope those memories is. stick with you. Uh, yeah. So the news is that the game is basically indefinitely delayed, right? It was supposed to come out this year. And then I knew that was happening. Yeah. And then people assumed that it would come out next year. Uh, the game I guess demoed very poorly for Lucasfilm and Sony, and it led to the game being indefinitely held. Right, so this isn't just like a delayed game is good. Like this game isn't this. This is not a delay. It's on on indefinite hold until they figure out basically what they're going to do with it, uh, which is insane because we have this 15 second teaser that's not actual gameplay. So the game looked ready. So I don't know what happened, but no. It definitely was not. The CG, CG uh, is all we need to know. It's all we need in games. With with a giant <laughs> yeah. text where they're like, "This is not actual gameplay." Yeah, uh, I read I read the article and uh, it looks like they did a lot of work to put together a demo and that the demo didn't play well. Um, I don't know how much I've talked talked about it on Beyond, but I've definitely talked about it on Twitter. I'm a big fan of Anthem, and Anthem kind of went that same route where they did a lot to make a demo and then it didn't demo really well and that kind of led to a lot of we saw where that ended up going right so yes this is probably the right call but also just like wow that's i didn't see that coming so uh tyler are you knights of, are, are you a knight of the old republic uh no 
Uh, I am okay. a huge Star Wars fan, but I, I never got into KOTOR. Uh, but mm. I was really excited for the remake because I, uh, whenever there's a like a blind spot in my in my gaming knowledge, I would always rather play the remake because I'm kind yeah. of a yeah. yeah I I just it's hard to go back uh, a lot of the times it for is. me at least. Um, well, that's that's where so I'm like, at with Dead Space right now. Is everyone's like you got to yeah. play Dead Space, and I'm like Dead Space comes out in four months. I might as well just wait at this or five. Yeah months i don't know what it is uh but it's like i might as i might as well just wait at this point because like yeah i, I don't think the old game like doesn't hold up i think it probably absolutely holds up but at this point i might as well wait for the remake so i yeah. i i see where you're coming with there oh well dead space yeah. the dead space originals i think still holds up but the the kotor one you're if you haven't played kotor you're probably better off waiting for the remake um because it's it's a little janky like it's it's from its time you know, what are you it, talking about? it looks great. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is, I think, this is the what the Wii up resed version. I think that we're showing footage for. So, like, this, well, this is Wii, so this me, is the Switch, the Switch uh, version. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it did not come out on the Wii. Uh, that would have been a whole nother um, <laughs> basket to to talk about. Motion controls. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, <laughs> I mean, hey, they did it well with No More Heroes back in the day. Um, well, so, and yeah. uh, For Force Unleashed. I don't know if that game had motion oh, yeah. controls, but I know it was. I know it was on the Wii. It was on the Wii. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely, I mean, KOTOR is fine, but it definitely takes some, mm -hmm. you've got to have patience when you, if you jump into the original. Now. I jumped back into it probably about, I don't know, two years ago. And even then it was just like, I was like, oh, oh, I have such good memories yeah. of this game. But man, the gameplay is, it's a little rough. It's a little rough. Yeah. So unfortunately for the people that were very excited for Knights of the Old Republic, go ahead and just put that out of your mind for now. Forget that that game exists, and uh, worst case scenario, it never happens. Or best case scenario, it happens in seemingly 2025. <laughs> so go ahead and just do yourself a favor. Get unexcited. Forget that it's a thing. That way, when it gets re-revealed, you can get excited again. <laughs> mm -hmm. that's, the, that's the only <laughs> advice. It's, it's called a coping mechanism. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then we have a few more news stories we can kind of blast through here um, because we have an interview soon. But uh, the PSVR 2 got a little bit of an update. How much are you guys into the Quest 2? Maybe the, maybe even the Quest 1, but I only have a Quest 2, so it's the only one I could speak to. I do not have either. Um, okay. Yeah, I have a... Whatever the, like, the, like the first or second model of Oculus was, like, the, way the back The Rift? When. The Rift, that's what it was. Yeah, yep, that's yeah. what I've got. Um, yeah, it's cool. I like my VR. <laughs> I used to play a lot of VR. So like when I got my Rift, I got it very early in its lifespan, and I loved it. But I just don't have the space since I moved right. to San Francisco yeah. to have a VR mm -hmm. area set up all the time. So just not as big of a thing for me lately. So the updates that Sony shared were not mind-blowing, but cool. It, it's kind of like features that are on the Quest 2, and so it's just good to know that they're on PSVR 2. Uh, the first one being see-through mode, which is basically you can kind of like hit a button and you can see through the headset and you can kind of look around. The Quest 2 has it where you can kind of push a button or if you're hitting the edge of uh, the Guardian, which we'll get to in a second, um, it will show you a black and white version, kind of fuzzy version, uh, you know, of your garage or wherever it is you are um, using the cameras on the front. That way you don't have to constantly be, 
you know, taking the thing off mm -hmm. of your face. You can kind of use a little bit of a see-through thing, and it and it works good. So this is just them confirming that, hey, this will have a see-through mode. So if you're watching the video version, like, that's basically what it'll look like. You can, it'll use a front camera to show you. That way you're not taking the headset off and messing your hair up. Uh, and then the other thing that they showed off was the, well, showed off in a picture, was the customized play area, which is also on the Quest 2, which is, it's called the Guardian, where you basically say, this is where I'm playing, and you and you essentially draw a line on the ground around you, and you're like, this is where I am. That way, if you get close to that barrier, it'll kind of be, it'll kind of show you like a wire grid, like, hey, you're getting a little close to your TV, and you're about to punch it, so... Uh, I thought those I thought those were cool, but what's even more weird about the the, the PSVR is we still don't have a price, nope. but we did get some news about the Quest Two, which was three hundred dollars. Turns out in four days it's going up in price. After being out for a couple of years, it's getting a price increase of a hundred dollars. Could easily say, well, that's because they're investing so much into the metaverse that they need to pay themselves back somehow, so they're going to raise up the price of the headset. Or it could be a shortage thing, and it's caused a lot of people to kind of be like, yo, how much is this PSVR 2 going to cost? <laughs> so, Jada, we'll start with you. How are you going to get a PSVR 2, and what is the most you're willing to spend on one? Oh, man, uh, I don't know. I I like being a first adopter just because I like having the newest of the new. Um, but I don't mm -hmm. know about PSVR 2. Just like with how much I've used VR in the recent times, I just I don't know if it's going to be a day one purchase for me. Um, but there's some yeah. really good stuff that I want to play. So it'll probably come down to a flip of the coin if I'm able to get one early. I yeah. probably will yeah. just go ahead and bite the bullet and do it. Um, but um, I'd say probably three three fifty is the top price that I would like to pay for this um i'm hoping that they they aim around that 300 dollars price because buying a ps5 and that right there is already like a, a seven eight hundred dollar investment right before you buy any games and we know there's going to be you know big holiday pushes whenever the psvr2 launches where they're going to want people to buy these sets as christmas mm -hmm. gifts so like parents going out to buy a console and a vr headset for themselves or for their kids it's going to be a very steep ask to get both of those. You're optimistic and I love it. And I love I, the joy you bring to the show. And you're always a ray of sunshine on Podcast Beyond. Aww. No prayer this thing comes out for $300. Yeah, I know, <laughs> no right? prayer. There's no way. I, I really, no I'm, way. Really hoping, <laughs> I'm really hoping Sony just takes a huge loss. Um, yeah. Unit, yeah. I mean, they, like they do with yeah. consoles. Like, I mean, nobody, I don't, I don't, I don't say nobody, but. Most mm -hmm. consoles since the beginning of time have sold for most, none of them, almost none of them have sold at a profit. Most of them sell right. at a loss and you remake your money through hardware and software like controllers and headsets and games. That's, that's where the money is made for these, these companies. Um, so I'm hoping that they're going to follow that and just kind of like accept that they might need to take a bigger loss on the VR headset to get the install base there right off the bat mm -hmm. because, um, you know, some some hardware it's made or it it's make or break in the first three to six months. If you don't get a big install base and get good buzz going, then Sony could be like, mm, maybe we don't want to put as much into this as we were hoping to. Um, but if they get a big buzz right off the start, they're like, okay, let's go full steam ahead. Let's invest heavily into this because 
we saw the initial cells like we can ride this wave and mm -hmm. continue to um be successful with it so yeah i saw two different tweets and i i can't remember who either of them were but i'm just gonna quote them anyways um one of them was like you know really hard with vr vr has not hit this like mainstream of you know the, the that's the platform I play on, right? It's always going to be this like niche thing, right? And then another person who uh, I think it was Andrew from uh, Alchemy Labs, he said, you know, referring to VR as PC VR makes VR seem like an accessory and it's not, it's gaming platform. And so I, I really don't know where I land on it. I have a Quest 2. I used it a lot when it first came out and then uh, my wife used it a lot and then we kind of just stopped using it because it it is it's like you said you know you kind of have to like get set up for it and once you play the games you want to play you're like i don't know what else to you know i'm not gonna if there's a version of a said game on a different platform i'm usually going to play it on a different platform as rare as that is um tyler what about you are you are you a big vr person um i got the first PSVR, um, and that was kind of mm -hmm. my first foray into uh, VR itself. And that was cool uh, and interesting for for the moment, but yeah, I fell off pretty quickly after that. I think sure. a lot of it has to do with the kinds of games that are on there. Um, not that they're not good, but it's just there hasn't been one that, other than probably Beat Saber, that has really kind of made its way into the into the mainstream. Um, but recently my roommate got a uh, Quest 2, um, and we've been playing around with that. And I was like, oh, this is a way better experience. So the fact that PSVR 2 seems to be kind of copying uh, the Quest in a few ways, uh, that's actually really good, at least from my perspective, coming from the original PSVR. Um, cause those are, I mean, it's just, quality it's just technology stuff. innovations, yeah. you know, that's, yep. that's right. competition. That's how it works. They come out. Yep. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's exciting. Um, for price, mm -hmm. I would hope under, under 500. Right. Uh, so I, maybe... I think four, I think 400, um, yeah. it could be 500. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a terrifying time. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to get a VR, a PSVR right away. I, like I said, I, I, I do like the quest a lot, but I don't, I don't know if I'm willing to drop that much money for, uh, well, the, depending the on interesting how much thing about PSVR two, the difference, I guess, w between it and the quest two is the quest two is standalone, whereas this you'll need a PS five. So right. hopefully they'll be able to lower the price of the vr unit itself because they're offloading a lot of the, the technical work onto the hardware of the ps5 they don't have to put as much of that into the headset itself you you would but, hope so except for the fact that the psvr2 has some real fancy controllers that i'm worried yeah. is going to drive the price up uh if you are playing PSVR or not PSVR Quest 2? I highly recommend Super Hot VR. That game Super is Hot is fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, okay. A couple more quicker news hits. We got the August PlayStation Plus games. Yay! Um, so that's always a that's always a fun time on the show. So we got Tony Hawk Pro Skater One and Two. That's the remake. That's PS5, PS4. 
Yakuza Like a Dragon, PS5, PS4. And on PS4, we have Little Nightmares. And so these are the games that are the, like, you know, quote-unquote free games for any tier that you have, from Essential to Premium, you get those. And then we also got the Premium and Extra tiers. Uh, we got an update where it's getting, like, all of the Yakuza games. I don't know. I don't... I don't know much about Yakuza, but it like looks like all of them. <laughs> yeah, I it's the entire uh, Kiryu saga, I believe, if I remember right with the character name. I've yet to play any of the Yakuza games, um, but this is, I, th- I feel like I mentioned this on the podcast in the past, and Shuhei heard me, and he was like, hey, let's put the whole Yakuza series in the PS Plus Premium or Extra tier for Jada, because we know she wants to play these, and we want to give make it easy for her. Um, so I'm very excited, excited to finally dive into the series. Um, you you only have gonna... 700 hours of games to play. <laughs> I mean, I will never, I will never run out of games to play in this lifetime. Like I, I'm really hoping we get to the point in our lifespans where I can just put my brain in a robot and keep playing games after my my human body has rotted away for hundreds of years. Um, sure. I'm really hoping that's the point at what we get to. Um, my human yeah. body's already rotting away. I mean, I think we all are basically at this point. Um, Oh my God, that clip. Um, (laughs) The guy just jumped and flashed. That was, that was, that's, I can't wait to play these games. Uh, Red, what kind of B-roll are you playing? What is this? This is the the turn-based RPG that they most recently released. Um, Or I think it's real time. I I don't even know. Um, I just know it's more RPG than the other ones, which are more kind of GTA-esque, where you're kind of exploring the city, doing a bunch of quests, beating up people. Um, mm-hmm. You know, all the things you do in those types of open world games. Um, I was always, con- I think the big thing was I never started these games because I was always confused. Was like, do I start with Zero? Do I start with Kiwami? Like, where do I start? So if there's any <laughs> Yakuza fans in the comments, let me know where I start when this whole thing drops. The comments are furious right now that we just don't have Max Scoville on. I asked. He was sick. Okay. Yeah. He just got done with Comic-Con. He's a very tired boy. Um if Max were here, he would be hosting. I guarantee you, that was yep. the that was the first avenue. I am the bottom of the bucket when it comes to IGN hosts. So if yeah, I'm here, you go, you, it's you didn't go to Comic Con, right? I didn't. I worked last weekend. Yeah. Uh, I did like every VO for every video that went up. I edited a couple, um, yeah. and then I made a ton of thumbnails. Uh, but I was not at Comic Con. I worked here. Same here. Uh, at yeah, home. we got we got to we were we were the B team. We got to work from home and do all the extra stuff. So um, that's why we're here. And uh, some of the others aren't able to make it. So yeah. Um, but yeah. And then finally, The Last of Us Part One, controversial game indeed, got a ten minute kind of overview. Uh, the game had kind of been leaking, and so I think this is their way of kind of showing what it is i really don't have a lot to say about this game people have kind of already drawn their own conclusions as to whether or not it's worth the price whether or not it's an actual remake it's absolutely not a remake but regard and, and i also don't think it's worth 70 dollars. but we're not going to talk think, about it yeah i, I think we've i think <laughs> we've kind of set our set our piece on it tyler uh what's your what's your relationship with the last of us like one in the remake oh well, that's a big question because The Last of Us part <laughs> or the original Last of Us is probably the game that made me go for this kind of job. Um, I, I was going to school to be a music teacher, and then uh, I played this game, and I was like, "Hmm." <laughs> so, 
Uh, I Sorry very... about that, man. <laughs> Sorry you landed here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ouch. That's got to hurt. <laughs> well, it, it, it kind of all started by uh, listening to Podcast Beyond at the time. So, um, Again, uh, I apologize. Full <laughs> that this is what it's become. This is we'll, have, just... uh, we'll, have, we'll, have, uh, we'll have Max and Brian and Jonathan draft you a letter of apology, Tyler. Yep. Uh, <laughs> maybe even like Colin and Greg, depending on how far back you watch. Like, yep. this is, I, I yeah. Uh, yeah. This is, it's 2022, man. Be lucky this show exists at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, this game holds a very special place in my heart. Um, and, as begrudgingly as I will do it, I will definitely probably be spending the money to play this again. Well, I'm sure half I'm sure half of the audience will be happy to hear you say that, and the other half <laughs> hate your. Guts we'll send, now. Well, the other half will send me. They're going to send me smiley faces because they're angry. Mm, That's yeah. what they're going to send. <laughs> uh, we have a few more things to go over, and we are very limited on time. But first, we have an interview Jonathan Dornbush did. Uh, the only thing that the run of shows says is a throw to jonathan's stray interview i don't know who he interviewed i assume blue 12 maybe it's just some guy on the street that he found maybe it's live from the vet it's live from the vet right now it could be from the vet we're getting a live feed yeah yeah it it could be the cat cat. yeah so we're gonna throw that interview and then we'll be right back to talk about you know games i guess i don't know whatever Beyond and hello everyone, Jonathan here, and I am very excited today to be talking with uh, one of the producers of one of my favorite games this year, Stray, from Blue 12 Studios, Swan. Thank you so much for joining me to talk about uh, this wonderful game that I know I've loved, our whole panel has really loved, and that a lot of our audiences has loved as well. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Really, really excited to be here today. Thank you. Uh, And of course, uh, obviously, we have a perfect picture representation of you on screen um to to chat with but no i i really appreciate you taking the time and it's, i it's very I, accurate I, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad people can get to know the real you at home um i do want to jump in you know first off to congratulate you on what feels like a huge success and celebration and joy you know we're, we're speaking i guess just about a week after stray has been released and i just you know wanted to hear from you how how has the team been feeling since launch how how has the reception been from your end how how are things going in in a post stray launch world well thank you very much uh first i, I think the correct word is uh, overwhelmed uh, like it you know working for so long on the game you start to look a bit of perspective on on you know the what you're you're doing and seeing all the uh, the the very positive feedback and seeing players being excited and reacting to the game and even most importantly actual cats and and dogs reacting to to the to the game being played is is an incredible feeling and we're really really happy and excited and uh it's something i remember i i was fortunate enough to do a, a preview with, with you and the team for stray and I, I remember you know the team talking about having uh, cat in studio, obviously, as as the game was being made, or you know, reference from all from all the cats on the team. Um, were were there sort of reactions as the game was being developed that help you kind of get a sense of how pets might react to the game? Would, would cats take interest as you know sounds are playing or or seeing things on screen? Was that something that happened in the development process as well? Oh yes, definitely. Um, I think about eighty percent of the the team are cat owners, and we're definitely all very passionate about our our companions and and we do have indeed two cats that are working with us uh, in the studio almost every day 
um, and it was a very nice moment. It kind of happened progressively, but it was a very nice moment when they, the cat in the office, started to react to the sounds or the visual that were on our computers. Uh, it, it gave us a really nice feeling that we were going in the right direction, you know, with this intention to have a cat today is really just a normal cat uh, and, and, and be realistic about this. Um, so I don't think we were expecting that basically all the cats in the world would actually react that that uh, <laughs> that extremely to the game. But it's uh, it's an incredible thing to to watch. Yeah, it's, it's really been a joy to see that sort of blow up on social media. I know for me personally, I don't own a cat, unfortunately, because of allergies that I've been cursed with. But uh, I do oh, I do have a dog. <laughs> it's, it's been a struggle, especially with a, a partner who absolutely adores cats. But uh, our dog, definitely every time I press that meow button, his ears would perk up just a little bit to be like, what's, what's going on over there? I'm a little little concerned. Um, but, you know, speaking of the meow button, I think the ways the team so brilliantly translated being a cat into the gameplay mechanics of, of Stray and that being not just a part of interacting with the world and, and being a toy within the world to play with, but, you know, the ways to solve puzzles. How, I, I guess, how did the team go about deciding what elements of being a cat were important to translate to gameplay? Uh, that's an interesting question. I think th there's a bit of a constant inspiration, you know, just living with cats and having them as your companion. You kind of see every day new um ideas that that come up but we we did have a very extensive list of all the cat things that we had in mind that uh, either we experienced directly or just seen on the internet because as you know the internet was invented to host cat pictures and cat videos so there's, there's a, a big culture around this this animal <laughs> um being a small team obviously we, we kind of had to choose our battles and try to um prioritize the one that seemed to be the most important or the, the one that will really make you feel in the in the control of this character and make you feel like you are actually a cat uh, but uh, we we did try our very best to add as much as possible and i th i think so many of them are are really wonderfully introduced in the whole experience you know it's something that i think the team doles out really well uh, over the course of the game where you're learning new ways to explore as a cat or if you're interested as the player you can kind of go ahead and start messing with the world a little bit to figure out when is it fun to meow or when is it beneficial to meow or not beneficial and you, and you learn these things as, as you go along um i'm i'm curious you know putting some of that stuff in there um, was there anything, you, you know, you were mentioning sort of having to, to pick the battles. Was there anything, I guess, that you were particularly excited from like a cat behavior perspective that did end up in the game? Or is there something that you were hoping to that the team couldn't quite get in, you know, with time and, and you know, team size and all that? Um, it, it's hard to uh, choose a, a favorite. I think um, one of the ones that seemed to really um be interesting to people is just the the fact that you can sleep in the game you just have the cat <laughs> uh, take some pillows and, and have a nap I, I personally think that's the most role play way of of playing stray is just if you can sleep for 18 hours you're really close to the experience of being a cat um <laughs> and and there's also the the fact that you can scratch the the sofas you know being a, a cat owner myself i was kind of always in in a bit of a conflict with my companions about this this topic, <laughs> and and now that I, I can experience that and see the how how you know um, how interesting and fun it is to actually do it, I can relate a bit more and I understand how uh, they they can <laughs> uh, want to do that so hard. 
Well, and it, the nice thing about doing it in Stray is that it doesn't actually cause any damage for anyone, so we don't have to worry about replacing a couch or anything anytime <laughs> soon. <laughs> um, I've seen a few the, TVs that seem to be a, a bit in danger, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they do get... I've seen some photos where cats are getting very close, and it could, it could be alarming if they start to scratch. Um, but no, one of those things, you know, interacting with the world comes so into play with, obviously, the sort of robot citizens that you meet around you. And, you know, without spoiling, I think, for for players who haven't gone through the whole game, any of the specific personalities that you meet, I think there's such a wonderful uh, a wonderful suite of different personality types that you get from these robots, different uh, thoughts or ideas or, or just perspectives of the world. Um, I'm curious about the process of going through and writing all of them because, you know, obviously you're writing the perspective of a robot meeting a, a living cat creature that they don't normally see. Um, but they're also all going about their own lives. I was curious sort of what the, the team's goal was in creating all these different personalities with the robots that you encounter. Um, so I think an interesting thing is that um, initially, like very long time ago when the project started, it was Vivian Kula, the co-founders and the directors on the project that were working together. Uh, and the idea of uh, populating the city with uh, robots actually came from a development constraint initially. Uh, we knew from the start that we wanted to remain a small team. It's it's something that we enjoy as developer working with a limited amount of people. Uh, and when Viv started to try with human uh, NPC, he realized very quickly that it would be extremely hard and costly to have the visual fidelity that they wanted and make it look like uh, nice enough with the, the goal that we had in mind. So we started to do some experiment with things that are a bit easier to do, which are, you know, robots, which are easier to modelize. And as soon as he started to put that in the, in the scene that we were working on, uh, it was such an a, a huge and deep inspiration. It was raising a lot of questions. It was interesting to see the contrast between the cat being so alive and organic and all the robots being more angular and less alive in some way. And it kind of opened a lot of creative doors in our mind of, you know, how to build this world and make it interesting. And the personality of the robots and how they um, understand the, the code of the humans, but in a very incomplete way and how they kind of make their own uh, conclusions of what reality and what being alive is, is something that was really inspiring the whole way through uh, the project and that we kept uh, experimenting with. Yeah, something that really struck me as I played through was I think, you know, speaking to your point, obviously, they're not humans, but I think the the humanity in them, the the um, the dichotomy of them and, and the cat is so clear, but also just their interest in living and existing and, and going about their lives and trying to figure out how they exist in this world, I think is is so present and and what I really am impressed by with the team and, and you know a huge uh commendation you know like a huge uh congrats to the team for being able to pull it off I think it what's impressive is it's in so few words you know you can talk to these robots a bit but you you get really just quick snapshots of them and that's of course because you're speaking through B12 the the robot companion translating for you um I'm I'm curious was there like when did the idea of a robot companion come into the process of the game was that always something that was part of this because it feels so essential to me to to the adventure that you go on um so i think the very initial inspiration for b12 was really in terms of having a complementary set of skills that uh, is a nice addition to the natural abilities of the cat you know just in terms of sort of 
variety of gameplay and variety of situations that we could do. Uh, we all know that cats are not really the best when it comes to interacting with technology in general. Uh, so it was quite important to have this um, set of skills again that was uh, opening more doors for us in terms of game design. But as we were building the character that B12 was and his role in the story, and obviously using the fact that he can translate uh, the language of the robots, um, same thing, we, we felt really inspired and, and saw a lot of opportunities and possibilities of uh, using this um, very unique way of telling stories to try to develop you know, the, the lore, the world building, the characters, of course, uh, and, and, and using this with this very fresh point of view was something that was a, a very interesting thing for us to explore. And, you know, I think for me, it creates such a, a heart and soul of the game that we spoke about on, on Podcast Beyond uh, earlier when, when Stray first released about, uh, you know, those of us who had played it, of how I think emotional the journey then becomes because you get to have this relationship, you get to learn about the world through B12's lens and get their personality as well as as the cats. And, and I think it creates a really beautiful central story that, that you have um, framed here in the game. I, I am curious, you know, with... Um, the the b12 companionship and 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 all that sort of stuff um was there ever a time where, where there were thoughts of making the game kind of wordless or did that you know did there always seem to be like we we want to find a way to communicate some things to the player um um i think it it was an intention quite clear from not the beginning but very early in the project from vivian kula to have some element of text and be able to develop you know the the world around and the characters a bit uh, further but we, we do try to use, you know, the, the physicality of the cat and the environmental storytelling and um, all the, just the situations more than, you know, text explaining these uh, as, as present as possible in the game. So even though it is something that was here since the beginning, uh, it's something that we do try to complement with a, a lot of different uh, ways of storytelling, uh, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And, and I think for me, one of the really great achievements that the team pulled off here is for me that, uh, and, and I'm a little curious here, obviously I don't want to spoil anything for people, but I think there's such a clear picture to me that the the team knows more about this world than we know. Um, you know, it certainly feels like there is a, a, a thought out history to this world and, and the way events have happened and, and how they've gotten here. And also just the way, the way the world works feels so well thought out. And what I appreciate that it isn't, you know, spoon fed to the player. There's certainly memories you can collect and you can learn things from some of the robots, but you're not sort of handed audio diaries every 20 minutes that tell you, here's what happened 20 years ago. Here's what happened 50 years ago. Here's what happened 10 minutes ago. You, you don't have that. And I think it allows the player to, you know, imprint their own ideas on the world, but also to, to just get a sense of it, as you said, through, I think such great environmental storytelling was, you know, I guess for me, just a general question. And, and again, not for spoilers, does the team have that sort of like, I guess, world Bible, story Bible in place, though, where you, you, there is sort of a, a thought out history of this world that maybe isn't precisely communicated to the player uh, during the course of the game? Um, I, I think, like you said, um, we don't want to spoil anything and, and definitely learning about the place and the world uh, is, I think, a very key element of the experience of, of playing Stray. Uh, but uh, it's, it's also true that it was an intention for us to um, have a lot of place for players to make their own story and their own, their own uh, um, you know, uh, explanation on what's going on and what's happening before, what's happened before, what's going to happen 
after uh, having this this place for uh, players imagination is something that is really important and, and that we all personally enjoy in in, in other uh, games and, and media so um it, it was definitely something that was uh, an intention um on the project and and certainly i think something for me that um where my imagination really sparks as I'm playing is, um, you know, as, as we've seen in trailers and, and early gameplay, uh, all of the sort of city hubs that you can explore, um, the the different places where really it seems like life for these robots is thriving. Um, I was curious, were there any particular inspirations uh, for creating these on either a visual or, or a just, you know, uh, a sort of general look to them? And, and then I sort of have a secondary gameplay question, but on the visual side, because I think they're just such beautiful places to exist in for a bit. So the um, initial inspiration uh, for uh, the visual identity of the project, uh, when Viv and Kula were thinking about making it a game, they were artists before starting the company. Uh, and as artists, they were fascinated by a place that no longer exists anymore, uh, which is the walled city of uh, Golden Hong Kong. Uh, and as they were really inspired by the the unique visuals of this place they started to uh, you know think about how they could uh, build their own world and extrapolate from this kind of environments and see how uh, um, the visual direction could be built uh, from that and in doing so they realized that it was actually the perfect playground for a cat you know the amount of uh, passage of hidden things uh, and the very fresh point of view that it was uh, giving on the detailed world that they were uh, making uh, this is when really the, the project started to take shape in their mind. Yeah, these these areas are just so like dense with detail. I found myself just kind of pausing and, and slowly scanning, you know, areas or, or buildings or or just even rooms that I was in just to kind of take it all in. And I I think it also creates, you know, you were sort of alluding to it, but they create really fun playgrounds for the player as a cat. Um, and so I was sort of curious what, if you could maybe speak a little bit about what these I think more concentrated areas, but areas that allow you to slow down and, and kind of explore at your own pace. What were sort of the hopes of, of building these areas for players in the game? Um, so building these, these uh, open areas uh, is, is incredibly challenging uh, with such a small and agile uh, character. And, and I think we encountered a lot of uh, challenges indeed that were quite specific to our, our project. Uh, in in terms of uh, level art and level design, for example, uh, I think in any other game, if you add like a, an aircon unit or a pipe going around a building, if it looks good, then you're good to go. But in our case, it's a new path that players might want to go. Uh, it's a new point of view on the scene that we need to work on and make uh, good. Uh, so it was really a lot of iteration uh, between level art, level design, and a lot of play testing as well. We we watched a lot of players play the game and trying to understand what they were kind of understanding of the environment and what how they felt that they could be able to go playing as a cat because we also realized that the understanding of what a cat is capable of doing in real life is widely different from a person to another we had people saying that they were surprised they cannot work on walk on uh, wires for example or on the leaves of a tree uh, that kind of thing so finding this this compromise between good looking interesting to walk around and play around and also readable and and natural to navigate uh, was a very subtle uh thing to to work on yeah it's um it, it's something that i think especially perhaps with the first area that you that you enter into you've got this um 
I think very clear and immediate readability, as you were saying, of the world. I, I think some of the my favorite things are just little touches of, oh, I can jump on that air conditioning unit, but I can't jump on that because it has sort of the you know spiky ends on it that probably a cat shouldn't jump mm-hmm. on uh, to be safe. And I think just little yeah. touches like that and 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 lighting and and things like that go such a long way to the readability for players. And I think it creates this natural sense of wanting to explore the world as you go along. Um, but also, of course, between these areas. You do have more action-packed scenes. I, w- I was sort of curious of what the team wanted to do when it came to action of, you are still a cat, but, but you know, I think you have really great chase scenes in there, some other light action that I don't want to spoil too much, but you have these moments that get a little bit more action-packed. What were sort of the the goals or ideas that, that came to mind that the team thought best suited playing as a cat, but being something that could be a little more action-packed than just exploring? Um, I, I think it comes down to the fact that Stray really is at its core an adventure game. Uh, you know, it's it's a game about a journey uh, of, of this character through this uh, mysterious world. And in, in that setting, the, the rhythm, the pacing of how we tell about this journey is really important. Uh, so we, we did work a lot on, uh, you know, having different types of rhythm, different types of interactions, different types of uh, colors, and and um, how the the gameplay is varied to make this journey interesting and makes you want to move forward uh, and and uh, learn about what's going on after. Uh, and the action sequences uh, were really a, a nice uh, a counterweight to you know the more slow paced exploration bits of the game where you're free to roam around and understand about the world. And trying to have this variety in pacing and in in gameplay was uh, really important. Uh, and also, it makes a lot of sense with such a uh, you know versatile character to try to explore all the situations that, from a gameplay perspective, can be uh, inspired uh, by this. Absolutely, no. I think it 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 keeps up the pacing of the game, the momentum of it, and allows those those quieter moments of exploration to really breathe, to let you enjoy them at, at your own pace, and then to have these moments where it's amped up, you're you're really in the thick of it. I I think creates such a <clears throat> create the stakes of the world so well especially for the the reality of what you're working for and chasing toward throughout the game so it's it's really brilliantly mixed in there i think um but one thing that sort of combines it all for me not just the visuals of it and the look of it and i think the the readability that comes through even in those those uh fast moments is the the beautiful score and soundtrack as well um excuse me and whether it was sort of the sound design of the world or the actual music that that uh plays throughout i was curious were there any sort of you know main emotions or goals or ideas that the that went into the soundscape of this world because i think it's such a beautiful world to also just listen to um well we have this incredibly talented composer in the team uh jan van der kruisen uh who is amazingly um versatile in the way he makes music he can he's got really a lot of different tools uh, accessible to him so he can really explore uh, a lot of different uh, nature of soundscape. Uh, and he joined us very, very early in the project uh, during the, the end of the conception. And he has been really adding such a unique atmosphere and, and a unique point of view that was really complementary to the visual detail and, and uh, uh, mystery that uh, the, the, the art team was, was adding. Um, so um, he, he actually did before the project some kind of uh, circuit bending, you know, this. Um, uh, th- those musicians that are using like old toys and trying to extract them to make music composition and electronical music um, oh, wow. and 
yeah, having his point of view on on the the world that we were building was uh, an incredible addition and was so inspiring the the whole way through. Yeah, it it really I think you know brings together and, and works so well within the different scenes. I think there's what what's great about Stray is for me in so many ways is the the gamut of emotions it runs. There are very tense moments, there are very light moments. There's there's everything kind of in between of happy and sad and everything. And I think the music that kind of suits to it all throughout not just fits those emotions, but fits the world so well. Um, and and it really creates this sort of beautiful, as you said, journey and adventure game that you're on. But uh, no, just, you know, to wrap things up, I, I am curious, were there any sort of main lessons learned for this, the studio from Stray that the, the team can kind of bring forward when it comes to, you know, future productions or anything like that? Or were there any sort of real, you know, things the team wish they could have done that that the team can look ahead to for the future because i think there's so much great work here and i think for me as a as a fan now of the the studio's work it's i can't wait to see what the team does next um so it it's hard for me to answer because obviously things are really fresh like uh, we we're still trying to understand and comprehend the the, the feedback that the the players are giving we're really happy with all the the mails that we're receiving really touched by all the players uh, enjoying the game and and um, the the company in the studio was created around the idea of this game. So it's really our first game as a team. And and there's a lot of lessons and a lot of things that we learned uh, along the way, and that we can still uh, progress on. I think so. Um, I think taking a step back and trying to see uh, and understand exactly um, what the game is now that it's it's not ours really uh, is is going to be important. And and wait for this to. Um, you know, make decisions about the future and what what's the the logic next step for us um, is. Of course, that makes a total sense. But I think I, it's safe to say, at least for me, and I know certainly from our audience's reception of it, there will be a lot of fans eager to see what the team is up to next. Um, before I let you go, of course, I do want to ask. Um, I know that you mentioned earlier. Uh, you know, obviously, a lot of the team has cats, are cat owners, loves cats. Um, can you speak to your own, you know, personal, are, are you the parent of any proud cats uh, of, your, of yourself? Um, so it's a bit of a, a touchy subject because I have two cats, but I also have two dogs. So I need to be really <laughs> careful with, with my answers. But uh, oh, yes, they, they have been with me the, the whole way through the, the project. And, and uh, th this game is definitely, in many ways, a love letter to our companions. Uh, as a team, and uh, actually, the, we, we know we received a lot of positive feedback. But when we see uh, somewhere that after finishing the game, someone just wanted to hug their cat, that's really the best feeling, and that that's really something that is touching us uh, on a very, uh, very deep level. That's that's great to see. Yeah, I, I think there's something beautiful here for no matter what kind of pet you know owner you are of of the bond that. Can matter to so many of us but between a pet and, and a person and so i think that's beautifully you know shown in the game and, and also just speaks true to the, the team's experience and, and putting that into the game was was so successful so swan you know thank you so much for taking the time for speaking to me about this game and, and sort of the creation process of it all i really appreciate your time and, and you know congrats again to the team and all the success so far thank you so much thank you so much i will definitely pass the congratulations to the team and thank you for having me again of course, and I'll throw back to the rest of this episode of Podcast Beyond right now. All right, and we're back. He's really got to stop this two and a half hour interview. And why was he wearing a top hat? 
Is that a thing? I... He forgot his. He was also wearing a tie for once. It was really strange. Like we predicted. He wore the tie? A tie of oh, all he's, days. He's making me look like an like, idiot right now. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, okay, so. so we're done with news. We we legit have like six minutes to get through the rest of this. So we're going to do the quick, we're going to do a very quick what we're playing segment. Uh, me and Tyler both got to play some new games that aren't out yet. And so we're going to now talk about those. Uh, first, I played and previewed, you can see it on IGN, uh, Disney Dreamlight Valley, which is the Animal Crossing Stardew Valley kind of life simulator that's themed around Disney. I thought the game was very fun. Uh, in the preview phase, I didn't really get to see... It is a live service game, so I didn't really get to see the battle pass. I didn't get to see what the microtransactions look like. But in the form that I got to play, I thought it was pretty fun. It's a little bit different than something like Animal Crossing, right? Like, you don't really have to sleep in the game. You can get your energy back, like, super fast. Uh, crops grow really quick. It's It's really about just building... And dressing your character up. But I, I thought it was fun. And uh, look, there's me. There's my name. And uh, I, w I was pretty addicted to it. And there's a few other people on staff that had been playing it as well that like it a lot. And I know there's a lot of people looking forward to it. So if you're interested, go watch my preview. There's a lot of gameplay in it. And uh, I think it was a good time. It comes out in September. But it's free to play. So who knows what that ends up looking like uh but probably more interesting is tyler got to play the new saints row game there was a preview event uh two weeks ago and so you got to go to that uh what did you think of the game tyler yeah uh it was a good time uh jr actually wrote the preview for us mm -hmm. um i was just there on a, on a social level um getting b-roll of the little party they threw for us and uh and the as much you know behind the scenes stuff as it could um but yeah we got to play about four hours of the game um it's i think it, it was pretty much right from the beginning of the game we we started yeah. a new game and um yeah it, it took us through the tutorial the character builder um if we hadn't already done the boss factory which a few of us were late due to some plane delays so i didn't get to do the boss factory thing uh the night before but um yeah, it's it's good. It feels um I mean it feels very GTA kind of style with your cell phone giving you missions and stuff like that. Um and and changing your wardrobe. You can do it from anywhere. You don't have to be uh like in a closet <laughs> to change sure. your wardrobe. You can literally do it on the spot. Um it it feels um I was talking to my friends about this and I, I was trying to like relate it to different things and uh, it feels in its mix mission structure very um, uh, Ubisoft. It feels like there's tiers, like there's main missions, side side missions, uh, and then just kind of like there were some Hitman missions where you just, it's just like go assassinate this guy um, that you could find uh, just laying about the world. Um, so maybe but, like uh I mean it sounds like you know Saints Row 3 and 4 yeah. but also possibly like Watch Dogs without the hacking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of those vibes. Um and but and then the comedy is kind of the the thing that differentiates it. Um it's got that you know wacky Saints Row comedy. Um 
but the the characters feel cool. Um, I like their dynamic. They're all like they're all four roommates just trying to like live paycheck to paycheck. Um, but they all are from different factions. The different factions that you're fighting in the game. So they all kind of have their their different quirks. Um, but then they all kind of decide, hey, let's do our own thing together, the four of us, and that's kind of the 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 beginning of it um driving was a big thing in the game uh mm -hmm. we as you can see uh this is actually my gameplay uh uh it was fun they added a like sideswipe mechanic that that feels really good when you kind of destroy someone um but yeah i think it's in a good place there were definitely i had a game breaking bug that we had to actually restart the game for so it's still in that kind of like um uh you know they're they're doing the final touches i feel like um, all right but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I mean the, those type of bugs are common with these mm -hmm. early preview builds. builds like mark you and me we've been to so many preview builds yep. like not together but well, actually together because i was at another outlet yeah yeah we were yeah. there we ran into each other time and there's there's I I I I fall in holes all the time in my games, so yep. like I constantly had to like pull people over in other games and stuff like that. So like, you know, I'm not too worried about a game breaking bug in this like early preview event where they're like yeah. really pushing everything to just like get a play test basically. Um, yeah, cause, well, because a lot of the times, yeah, the sentiment would be like, oh, this game comes out in a few weeks. If it's got bugs, that's a little scary, and it's like, yeah, but the the. And I'm not going to speak. I'm not going to speak for 2K, but this build may be a month or two old that you're playing, yeah. right? Like that's yep. usually how it is. Um, yep. I I just was talking about Disney Dreamlight Valley as I was playing it. Like it was getting updates on Steam all the time because you can tell that they're just like actively working. And that actually happens a lot when we preview games where they'll tell us like, "Hey, after this date, we're pushing out a big update." So like maybe try to capture more footage from that, but you can play it now. So. It's a it's a dance when it comes to mm -hmm. reviewing stuff. Uh, okay, we really really got to bounce. So Jada, do you, do you, well, I don't know why I'm wearing a top hat now. Probably because I'm the host. Amazing. That's yeah. You know. You're the host. You're fancy. You're <laughs> that's, nice that's and fancy. What we do. Um, um, Jada, you played Stray. You like it? Yeah, I finished it. Um, I've got the can't catch me. The cat cat. Oh catch gosh, me yeah. Trailer or trophy it took me about 10, 15 minutes or whatnot. Yeah, that's a rough um, one. It's it. I figured out the like the pattern and like mm -hmm. kind of the um the trick to doing it early as well as there's the fact that there's two paths that split and one path is easier than the other um halfway through it so for those of you who are still trying to get that uh chapter one trophy um hug the left side um that usually works <laughs> that's my that's my quick tip for it i have a whole video that i uh recorded for it and we might maybe we'll talk about it next week on beyond who knows we'll see maybe we'll bring back trophy tips um, other than that, nobody saves the world, and that game is fantastic. If you love RPGs where you can transform into either a mermaid or a horse or an egg and uh, beat up a bunch of baddies, um, it might be up your alley. I would give it a shot. Nice, yeah. I got the uh, I got the Catnum Trophy first stray. Nice. Um, it's uh, it's very easy. It's a very fun platinum. Mm -hmm. The 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 catch one was is definitely like the more frustrating one but you know like like you said if you played enough times you'll you'll get it eventually it's it's not too bad yep. and it's funny i needed to capture we have a mod up or you, a video of a mod of the garfield and uh mm -hmm. so i played it on pc and i had to get through that part and i did it just like on the first try like it just 
it just happened. I don't know. Maybe the PC version's easier. <laughs> um, okay. So that is going to do it for this episode of Podcast Beyond. I'm sorry we have to rush out of here, but with the Stray interview, that takes up a lot of our time. And Jada has to go to the vet, as we mentioned at the beginning of the episode. So, you know, we got to do what we got to do. But, uh, yeah, you can follow us on Twitter at your know, various Twitter tags. Uh, mine is Mark underscore Medina. Jada is Jada Rena. Jada underscore Rena. Jada underscore Rena. Tyler is uh, something. Tyler's new groove. groove. Tyler's <laughs> new groove. So so shoot him a follow. Um, the only thing I could say at the end of this episode is I'm sorry. <laughs> if you're still here, I apologize. And uh, Dornbush will hopefully be back and uh, you'll never have to do this again. But until then, uh, beyond. Beyond. Yeah. Hi, it's Jennifer, a founder of the Go Kid Go Network. Do your kids love wacky worlds, superheroes, and inventing? Of course they do. That's why our shows Bobby Wonder and Lucy Wow are set in Pflugerville, the nonstop fun and adventure universe where imagination, creativity, STEM, and positive role models abound. Join the Pflugerville fun by searching for Bobby Wonder and Lucy Wow on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.